Others play bingo. Jenny lives it. So whilst the part-timers slope off home for Coco, it's not over for Jenny until the two fat ladies are singing and she's strolling into the night with a brand-new four-slice toaster with defrost function tucked under her arm. And when she does, Jenny knows McDonald's are there with a box of chicken McNuggets and a celebratory bingo. Serving times applied, but with over 600 restaurants open 24 hours. If you're awake, we're awake. The following broadcast has been approved for Elite Hornets fans. What a block by Cody Zeller. Walker down the lane, drive, shoots, scores! Game over! Bringing back the buzz is only the beginning. We will not go quietly into the night. It's Hornets talk for the hardcore fan. It's Hive Talk Live. Welcome in, Hornets fans. You are listening to Hive Talk Live on AtTheHive.com. It's Hornets Talk for the hardcore fan. We are live in the Gittimer.com studios in BEA, beautiful uptown Charlotte. I'm Doug Branson. And I'm David Walker. It's a game night, Doug, and we've got a guest in studio. Let's get it going. Yeah, let's get it going. We'll, we'll have a preview coming up. Uh, Adi Joseph is in studio. He's being very still right now. He's up in moments scouting the Hornets <laughs> playoff competition. Well, it's a tight studio. So you have to be very still. Uh, plus, uh, Nick Denning is here for one of my favorite segments, What's Happening Around the NBA? And we read a few more classics from a master in NBA social media flame tweets. And he's located right here in North Kakalaki. Hey, subscribe to us on iTunes. And if you will, give us a five-star review. We're in a race to 50 stars. We're at 21 right now. We're legal. That's right. With your help, we could reach the top of that mountain. Instead of a review, I'm going to make this fun. Just write us a haiku. If you if you do that, I will read it on the show. It doesn't have to be about the Hornets. Could be insulting to either or, or both of us. I will read every word, every single one. And with that, we say, let's swarm Charlotte. Let's welcome in studio one of our favorite guests, NBA editor for SportingNews.com, Adi Joseph. Adi, how are you, my friend? Only one of? Well, I mean, listen. How many in-studio guests do you guys have? Many. <laughs> so many. <laughs> David. I'm in here some. <laughs> well, on that note, uh, let's talk about some of the playoff competition that the Hornets uh, may face, and I say may because you know, the East has a, a soft middle right now. A lot of teams vying for uh, that three through six seed. I want to start with Atlanta. Last night they beat uh, the Chicago Bulls, but they struggled in the fourth quarter, something they uh, have done somewhat this season. Could be a weakness there in Atlanta's armor. But uh, one weakness that is not in their armor this season is their defense Adi, what makes their defense so difficult to deal with? I think everything about Atlanta is this is it's it's all hinging on the intelligence of their players and the intelligence of their coaching staff. And they have I think, you know, one of if not the best um coaching staff in the East with Budenholzer maybe the best number 1 coach and then Kenny Atkinson is an absolutely amazing top assistant who deserves a head coaching job. Uh, Charlotte's certainly in that conversation for best coaching staff, too. But that all trickles down to really intelligent players who work hard, and I, they have a lot of underdog-type players. I mean, Al Horford certainly was, wasn't was really an underdog, but 
Paul uh, Paul Millsap came up as a second rounder from a mid major conference. Kent Bazemore couldn't be more of an underdog. Um, even Jeff Teague, you know, he went to Wake Forest, which is like the ultimate underdog, and uh, you know he had to scrap his way and 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 fight his way into. If you remember that they they were actually I believe number one overall in the country at one point in 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 his Wake. yeah yeah when yeah, he was there so it's uh it's kind of this underdog team of a, re- a lot of really smart guys and they buy into the system and and uh, the coaches put them in positions to succeed and and that shows on offense and defense and defensively they're also very versatile and they have uh you know the front court in particular very few centers can do what Al Hell Horford does mm. and even fewer power forwards can do what Paul Millsap does um, in terms of both being tra- guarding traditional big men, being strong enough to bang, and then also you know fitting the modern ideology and being able to step out and switch and do all that. Yeah, top five in the NBA and, and guarding the three-point shot, so that should concern the Hornets for sure. And then Paul Millsap, I think, has 13 blocks in the last three games. He is just uh, really buckling down, and they've, they've made this their identity. Whereas I think last season their identity, at least to the common NBA fan, was ball movement and 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 scoring offense and Kyle Korver three pointers that kind of thing. That does that still exist at the level that it was last year and and just nobody's talking about it or have they seen a little bit of a regression? They had to see a regression because last year was stupid. They were like yeah. they were the number one <laughs> offense in the league. You're stupid. Kyle Korver was an all star. Like we were in a world that didn't fit. I mean. The NBA is changing. The NBA is not changing enough that Kyle Korver could be an annual All-Star. That was a moment in time where Kyle and the rest of his teammates were just hitting all their shots. Damari Carroll, losing Damari Carroll, Mm -hmm. actually a really important part of their offense, even more than their defense. Um, Tabo Cephalosh has always been a better defender than Damari. So, you know, it it, it was one of those things where this, this really smart team last season had to take advantage of offense and that ball movement and the fact that they had at all positions players who could hit shots this season their offense is actually more I mean they're better off with Denise Schroeder on the court and that has been the the reason for that is because they're not getting the same production out of their wings Kent Bazemore in the second half has not shot as well and Corver all season has regressed to normal levels and um so as a result, they're, they're more of a traditional offense this year, and their defense is where they're shining right now. So what happened with them? Because they did go through a little lull. It looked like the chemistry was off, like something was going on. They weren't playing that great. Was it getting past the trade deadline? Because there's a lot of players involved in, in trade talks, but they've been the best team over the last 10 games, 9-1. and one. Uh, The Warriors and the Hawks both have those records over the last 10 games. What happened? Was it just everything clicked or everything got used to playing without Carroll or what was the difference there? I, it's it's tough to say when it's a team like that. Um, it's tough to say how much those sort of things weigh on a guy like Teague, uh, on a guy like Horford. Part of it is just, you know, adjusting to, to new realities. Like, like I said, Bazemore was playing actually better in the first half, but um, offensively, but he's sort of stepped into being a starter defensively, I think, better in this second half. And, it, they're just, I mean, they're a team that we should never have expected to go away easily. They won 60 right. games last year, and they weren't going to do that again this year. 
But they were a team that we should have absolutely expected to be back in the 50-win threshold, and that's they're coming up on that. They might hit 50. Which makes them scary because they're veterans. They yeah. know how to play. Like you said, they've got an excellent coaching staff. So when you look at the prospect of facing them in the playoffs, it's And not, the Hornets match up poorly. Yeah, and Bazemore uh, is an all-star when he plays the Hornets. Right. So, I mean, <laughs> that, that doesn't help. Yeah. yeah. And another thing, you know, last season they won 60 games and people acted like their playoffs were a disappointment because of how easily the Cavs bumped them off. They won two playoff series. Right. They they mm-hmm. made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. That's, you know, compared to the Raptors, who got swept in the first round, I, I know I if, if I were the Hornets, I I would want to avoid the Hawks. Yes. Yeah, because yes. they have that, that experience winning a playoff series, mm-hmm. of finishing off a team in the playoffs. And right now, the Hornets sit, or the uh, Hawks sit in three seed, the Hornets sit in the sixth seed. So if the playoffs were to start today, the Hornets would face off against the Atlanta Hawks. Let's move on to Miami. Last night they got the win over Brooklyn. Uh, They have a a similar strength of schedule looking ahead uh, that the Hornets do. Uh, But my question is about Dwayne Wade. He's been getting 30 minutes a night uh, pretty regularly uh, in the past two months. And it's not like last season where Miami tried to put him on ice for the playoffs and you know, try to preserve his his body. That this year, I, th- I think he's only missed a few games. Can he keep up with those minutes? Do you think that the Heat are putting him through? I thought they made a mistake last year, um, and I think they made a mistake two years ago with Wayne and giving him too many nights off and keeping him out of rhythm. And he's only thirty one, thirty two. I'm not actually sure. Someone should look that up. <laughs> but um, he's only thirty one or thirty two, and he is. In he he has lightened himself a little bit. He looks good in those thirty minutes a game, Schmelt. and I think he he prefers four. Okay, yeah. he's thirty four. Yeah. Apparently, he might have just turned thirty four. Well, he's look. He, you just said it. He he's tightened up. He looks he looks thirty two. <laughs> he's a young thirty four. <laughs> According to Basketball Reference, who's never wrong, he's thirty four. Yeah, so he's thirty four. But I think that a player like Dwayne needs needs some rhythm and if his knees are feeling good there isn't really a reason to give him time off extensively he did not burn out until the heat started doing that the year that he burnt out was the year that he got the most time off and you know i don't i i know that's partially age but i think they need him i think they know that if they're going to get anywhere i mean the heat's goal is not to win a playoff series they've right. been there they've done that if they are expecting to make it all the way to the NBA Finals, win the East, or at least make the Eastern Conference Finals, they need big efforts from Dwayne Wade. And I personally think it's smart to not play coy about that. And, um, you know, they'll they'll have an interesting situation if, when Chris Bosh ever decides to... Well, that's the thing. What can they expect to do without Bosh? It's not... They can't expect to be in the Eastern Conference playoffs without, or certainly get to the NBA Finals without him. Weirdly enough, though, they've played really well with Luol Deng at, at power forward. And that was, you know, in part because Deng had spent most of his career resisting a move to power forward. And when Bosch went out, he f- it was really the first time in his career that he, I think, openly embraced, I need to be a power forward. Our best lineups are with me at power forward. And, and, and you know, that gets back to the mental hurdle that coaches have to, to deal with. And I think Spolstra is great at manipulating. He's also that um, the Amari um, Stoudemire has sometimes given them some big boosts, which is... I, I think back. I think back to the last time the Hornets and and Heat locked horns, and Ding had a lot of success uh, at the power forward position against Frank Kaminsky. 
because they and, and again that Spolstra moving the chess pieces and, and matching up. I, I agree with Audie. I think the Hornets seem to match up well player to player with the Heat, but uh, Spolstra has at times been able to outmaneuver. Uh, Clifford and the Hornets, so that that could be something to watch. Spolstra, Spolstra goes back and forth between getting the credit he deserves and then just getting slammed to me. I mean, I, I, think, I think he's always been a, a really good coach, like a, yeah. a great, a good, a great coach. Wait, which is it? Good or great? You yeah, just, say, you just, did, the same, you just did the thing you said people do. <laughs> <laughs> he's a good, he's a great, he's a good I'm person. Good. I'm human. No, I think he's a great coach. <laughs> I mean, I, I, you know, to handle that whole situation with LeBron was one thing, but then to to do what he's done and kind of right the ship and be a steadying force. I mean, it's been impressive. Yeah. And to take over the, um, one of his first years, he, he was really impressive with just Dwayne Wade and like no one else. Yeah. Um, you know, he's, he is one of, one of the big reasons that the East has improved this year is because f- five years ago, if you looked at the Eastern conference coaches, they just weren't that good. Now the East has made a lot of good coaching hires. Spolstra has been one of the consistents, uh, you know. Yeah. But now we have a situation where we do have Mike Budenholz or Eric Spolstra, um, very underrated Dwayne Casey. Uh, Carlisle. Yeah, he's in the West. I mean, uh, I'm sorry, um, Vogel. Vogel. Sorry. Yeah. He's he's always. I think he's he's been he's really shown some offensive chops this year too. So it's a it's a strong coaching field, and that's that kind of you know Steve Clifford might be a top five coach and yet he's going to be going up against top five and top 10 coaches in the playoffs. So you're yeah. not going to have, you're not going to have a massive gap the way you would if Lionel Hollins were your first round opponent on this uh, potential matchup between the Hornets and the heat in the playoffs. Uh, Courtney Lee was on ESPN seven thirty on inside the lines. And he said, I don't think anybody would mind playing the Miami heat in the first round. That's oh, a, good. Okay, good. I'm sure You cover the entire NBA. You don't see players going out on a limb like that, do you? Not against a team that they don't have some sort of prior issue with. I well, mean, what I guess... That, what does that tell you? What does that say? I, I don't know. That's bold. That's And, <laughs> you know, Courtney's bold. a very honest... Yeah. Do you think they had to... He's not, <laughs> but he's not a... Uh, he's not a... Not I don't, braggadocious. I, I can't curse here, can I? Sure. Well, yeah. you, I didn't know that. It's been like two years. Go ahead. <laughs> Kick it off. Well, I was going to say he's not a shit stirrer. There you go. But, great. you know, that's not really like his game, but he is honest, and it's interesting to see him put that kind of thing out there. Do you think they somebody grabbed him like when they got out the locker room and like, here's the recent history? <laughs> 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 Just a talking point. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Well, Courtney, he went out on a limb. Courtney, the limb lead. There was well, this one time that the Hornets played the Heat in the first round. Yeah, wait, actually, that, no, it was the Bobcats. My bad. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Didn't they play? Did they play, have they ever played the Heat in their old Hornets? I thought they tussled. In the playoffs. Yeah, I thought they tussled one time. Back Rice in the day. versus Zoe. Mm-hmm. One way or another. I know Knicks, Bucks, Bulls. Nick. You said Knicks. Hmm. Anyway, all right. Let's move on to the Celtics. A team that the the Hornets got their first playoff series victory against in their franchise history. Last night they lost to the Clippers. Next up for the Celtics, the Thunder, and then the Warriors. And then check this: their last three games against the Hawks, the Heat, and the Hornets. The old NBA Southeast tour. So um, Boston uh, played really well, and then they seemed to struggle once uh, Jay Crowder got injured and and you said there I think you said this morning David that no timetable Still no timetable I, I don't think. Uh why why do you think Adi Jay Crowder's absence has been so tough for Boston to overcome? Because secretly he's their best player. 
Yeah. That's a good reason. Yeah. <laughs> it's not really talked about. You know, Isaiah Thomas got the all-star nod, but Jay is so important to what they do. He allows them to play big or small. He, he pretty much is the glue while also being, uh, you know, an incredibly efficient player. And um, he's he's honestly, you know, I remember when they when they traded for him in the Rondo deal, my feeling was Jay Crowder kind of reminds me of uh, where Damari Carroll was yeah. when the Hawks acquired him. And I think this year Jay Crowder has been better than Damari Carroll ever has been. So, you know, this is this is a guy who he's big and strong like a power forward and so mobile that there's not a single small forward who can run past him. And um, he hits his threes at a high level. He understands what his role in offense is he's he's just become a really good player what makes him better than carol just he can create a little more for himself i actually think it's the size carol's skinny um and while you can't really bully damari he can't really use his strength on offense the way jay can and and uh you know he's such a hustle player that being that strong and that fast really helps a hustle player you don't usually see guys that athletically gifted being also being like the hardest worker on the court Adi, nice. but before we move to the All-Star game, I just want to ask you, who do you think the Hornets have the best shot against in the first round of the three teams? I can't and, pick the Pacers? Why? You can't pick the Pacers, right. no. Well, they killed the Pacers, as we all, I'm sure everyone listening to the show knows, they have matched up extremely mm-hmm. well against the Pacers. Wishes and hopes. I'm filibustering right now. <laughs> uh, I think I'd probably say the Celtics. Yeah. Wow. I think that too, just because you look at it, even though the success they've had, even though Brad Stevens is, you know, I bow down to Brad Stevens. I think he's a genius. <laughs> but, but you're facing three but, great coaches. There's, yeah, you don't well, get an easy coach. You're facing three great coaches and three great defensive teams. But I think the one thing the Celtics don't have are is that, you know, superstar power, that, that one guy. I mean, even though Isaiah Thomas, especially without Crowder, right? And I mean, you don't have a Wade, you don't have a Horford, you don't have a Millsap, you don't have a T. I mean, geez, I don't know about the Hawks, but that's what. Even though the Hornets have played pretty crappy against the Celtics this year, yes. that may give you a little more hope because when when they they played some of their worst games against them, but they're playing a lot better now. Um, so I think you have to have some hope in that. And the Celtics, it's all the momentum thing for yeah. me. It really is. It's it's all. If you asked me any, if you asked me before Crowder's injury, if you asked me a month ago, I would probably would have said the Heat very reluctantly. I don't think that the Hornets match up particularly well against any of those teams. I think their ideal scenario is to somehow boost themselves up to the three and host, hope the the Pacers boost themselves up to the six, which certainly doesn't look likely. Heat for you, Doug? It's the Heat for sure. Hawks are the bottom. I mean, the last. Yeah. I think. But I, I buy your arguments on the Celtics, and, and I think you know there's there's not a ton of playoff series win experience with them as well, so you can add that to the the argument. But did they win the first round last year? They didn't face the Cavs the first round, did they? The Celtics. The Celtics lost to the Cavs in the first. They round. lost the Cavs. That was, was the Kelly Olynyk pulling right, Kevin right, Love's arm right. out. But that was the first round, and it so. was a. Uh, Sweep or a five-game series? I can't. It was so a the dominant. playoff experience for these two teams is basically even. I yeah, mean, some some guys have been in it. <laughs> They've lost to LeBron. <laughs> yeah, they have that. Yeah, they can talk about that. They have that in common. That's on both of their Match.com profiles. Real quick, uh, Doug, Jay Crowder, he and I are birthday buddies. Wow. So that's oh, cool. Good for you. Yeah. You exchange gifts. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the All Star Game. Uh, continuing to update you on this story, the uh, Atlanta. The latest in this is uh, this actually came out today. The Atlanta City Council is now 
lobbying for the game to be moved, the 2017 All-Star game to be moved to Atlanta from Charlotte. Uh, The statement from the Atlanta City Council President Caesar Mitchell, the city of Atlanta draws strength from our diverse community. This unity creates our city's embracing spirit, a quality that has made Atlanta the destination choice for numerous international business conventions. Uh, We would certainly welcome the opportunity to show that very spirit as the host of the 2017 NBA All-Star Weekend. This comes after Georgia's Governor Nathan Deal vetoed legislation similar to the legislation that was passed and signed by Governor Pat McCrory here in North Carolina that is the cause of all of this controversy and and could cause the Hornets and the city of Charlotte to lose the All-Star game in 2017. We should start by asking you, Adi, do you agree with your colleague at Sporting News, Sean? And forgive me because I forgot to ask you pre-show, is it Devaney? Devaney. Yes, nailed it. When he says that the NBA should move the All-Star game from Charlotte if the legislation is not repealed. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't... I just, I think it's a measure that the NBA is sort of in a situation now where after issuing that statement, they don't really, they haven't really given themselves any choice. I mean, their statement didn't come out and say, change the law or removing it, but to back out now to have it in, in Charlotte, if they don't change this law in some way, and, and it really doesn't have to be a, uh, here's the, here's the thing that I think all the politicians know. It doesn't have to be a dramatic change. This law does not have to end. I would love to see it end personally, but you know that you do not have to make massive sweeping changes to the legislation to appease because the bottom line is most of these things are you know semi posturing, and you can't posture and then back out of your posture if you're the NBA, one of the most prominent and you know powerful sporting associations in the world. You can't do that. So once the NBA released that statement, they gave themselves no other choice. At the same time, I also, you know, personally, I think it's the right move. I think it's the the, the move that um, stands for what the NBA stands for, which is certainly a league of inclusiveness. Uh, Does this news out of Atlanta move the Charlotte All-Star Game doomsday clock any closer to midnight in your mind? I think it would have been easy for them to move it to L.A. Uh, L.A. is getting the 2018 game. It would be re- like Los Angeles can hold an all-star game whenever they want. And they, so you think it, it's what, what do you think in terms of timeline? I mean, when is do that's, you that's have any the real idea? question. And that's the NBA's next step is to come up with, you know, and they don't even have to publicize that. They very well might have one. But the NBA needs to. Uh, come up with its own timeline, whether they tell us or not. As long as they tell the politicians, that's that's the important part. And, and I'm sure someone will leak it. I'm but, saying, past this date, yeah, we're past this in. date, we need to we need to either make a de- we need to make a decision one way or another. And you know, like I said, Los Angeles can host an All Star Game whenever they want, but they still need to like book it in advance. <laughs> right. You can't just you know show up in on like October 30th yeah, and been I'm not like seeing, I'm not seeing your name in the computer and this you is are. Weird. Uh, what's your name this I mean Taylor regarding. Swift might have a concert on All-Star Weekend in Staples and Atlanta <laughs> are you saying Sting like he might be playing that would work out perfect right <laughs> yeah it's brilliant alright uh, Adi Joseph NBA editor for Sporting News read him on SportingNews.com follow him on Twitter at Adi Joseph A-D-I Joseph Adi Pleasures all. What, I have one more. I, can I add one more question? I always, you know me. I'm crazy, Doug. I go off script. Um, <laughs> Chris Paul announced he's out on Team yeah. USA. 
my stance on this has been uh, Chris Paul, LeBron, <laughs> KD, all these guys that have been there for like eight years. Thank you. We don't need to risk anything else bad happening to these guys. And what else do we have to prove by putting all these guys in the Olympics? You know, moving forward, have you? Is this something you've thought about at all? I don't know. I'm springing I love, it on you. I love, but I, I, I feel Olympic like stuff. I so. love the Olympics. So I love Team USA almost as much as I love the All Star Game. But it's like to me, these guys have so many miles, especially like a guy like LeBron who's playing in finals that are finals that are finals. Is it time to just say, hey, let's let the young guys, whether it's college or whether it's you know rookies and some other guys, participate and say thanks for your efforts. You know, we're not. We don't need you to come out anymore. My thing is, if you look, every like ninety percent of these guys, you play the Olympics, you have the best season of your career. Yeah, I know. Or you have a bounce back <laughs> season of some That's sort. That's true. And so it's it gets them into better shape. Yeah, it's they enjoy the hell out of it. They're playing twenty two minutes a game at most. True. I don't think it's a real strain. They they're going to play basketball either way. If anything, they're probably you know doing less strenuous traditional workouts as a result, which might be good for them. They're actually playing basketball instead. And I also think you know if team if those guys want to play it, it should be their choice. You know, if LeBron James yeah. wants to represent his country, turning him down is a really bad thing that could lead to a situation like we had in two thousand four. Um, you right. know. If they want to pull out Kevin Durant, I, I am I would I sh, I would say I would bet money that Kevin Durant pulls out. He's got yeah. his free agency this off season. He's not going to want to have to show up to camp two two days after his free agency. He's not going to want to have to deal with massive media for the whole. Like he can just skip out on media for the whole summer if he wants. Yeah. This is if I had to guess, Kevin Durant is the most likely guy I'd say pulls out. On the other hand, if Carmelo Anthony and LeBron want to win one more gold medal and be the first three-time gold medalist in you know, basketball history, that's kind of cool. Yeah. I, and they deserve it because those two guys recruited this whole team. Those two guys played the biggest role in you know, getting it together. And so, I mean, we already lost one member of the banana boat, and uh, <laughs> Dwayne Wade is not invited, so it's two. So no now Kobe. we've only got half of the banana boat. Yeah. Um, but if Dwayne, if if Carmelo and uh, LeBron want to play, I'm I'm all for it. And also, like, if Steph Curry, LeBron James, and and Carmelo Anthony suit up, we get a gold medal. I mean, that's the cool part. <laughs> yeah. Seeing all these guys play. Yeah. yeah. I was just curious. Sorry, sorry, Doug. Go on. No, it's okay. That's t- I just totally, worked all day. I just worked totally all day on this rundown. Cool. Uh, now, Adi, you've you've uh, joined us. You have uh, broken the curse barrier, and you've said pull out. So I consider that a uh, successful show. I said it multiple times. Do we get that explicit <laughs> e now on <laughs> yeah. iTunes? Well, I'm just going. I want to instead of the e, I'm going to see if I can uh, get like a, a a picture of Adi's head on there. This <laughs> is like rated Adi. <laughs> Adi Joseph, thank you, sir. All right, thank you. All right, now uh, we got Adi out of here before we got to this next segment because we don't want to risk uh, his his uh, career at Sporting <laughs> News. This is a but this is a favorite segment of ours. Uh, we're talking about some sweet sweet burns. Oh yeah, yeah. You forgot about this good, segment. Good thing I took my sweater. This off. is a this is the second installment of this segment. Uh, some uh, tasty tasty. Um, Burns on Twitter from Rick Bennell, Charlotte Observer, and we have some Horn listeners contributing. Yeah, we got some. some we got some, some listener participation. I love it, and and we even have intro. Well, I don't have intro music for Justin yet, 
But I have intro or music Audi. For, or for this. Or Audi. <laughs> Here we go. It's Benel Burns. I can't decide between a fat joke and a dumb joke. Boom, roasted. As you said, we have a few listener submissions. The first one coming from Adam. This tweet. Again, these are real tweets from Rick Benell on Twitter. Here we go. Cavs lose to the Nets. Guessing LeBron unfollows Dan Gilbert, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Love, and the Usher. He high fives at home games. Oh, burn! Usher burn! Let it burn! Man, I don't know what I'm gonna do without my boo. Next up, there is only one fair and reasonable reaction to tonight's Jazz Lakers score. Four more Lakers national TV appearances. Burn! NBA TV scheduling robots burn! That's a sick That's burn. A sick burn. That's a sick burn. All right, next one for the, again, real tweets from Rick Manel here. If you are flying out of Charlotte today, you can't leave too early for the airport, really. Oh, oh, oh wait, that's that's not a burn. That's actually that's, good. that's a really that's helpful good, advice. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Rick. And one other listener submission from our man Josh. Heat Josh. lost to the Spurs by 24. World fell off its orbit. Oh, wait, that only happens when the Hornets lose. Some perspective. Son of a, that's going to leave a mark. Those are some, the, again... Those are some sick burns. Which one gets burn of the week in your mind? What's the banal burn of the week? I mean, LeBron. It's got to be. It's got to be LeBron, right? It's got to be. That's a great one. All LeBron, right. You, LeBron is having is having a season off the court like like no other at this point. The, just just trying to the, psychoanalyzing him and that team is fascinating. Well, I think the problem is he's trying to psychoanalyze things. You know, I think he equates leadership with tinkering. It's interesting. It's the, it's the classic, you know, don't don't try to fix it if it's not broken. Like you've got a lot of talent on the team, just too much mind, too many mind games. Hey, if you notice a white hot scorching Benel burn on Twitter, hit us up at Hive Talk Live with the hashtag Benel Burns. That's two N's and two L's. Get it right, or you're in for the burning of a lifetime. All right, time for one of our uh, another one of our favorite segments. We've really loaded the show down with those. It's called "What's Happening Around the NBA" with At the Hives, Nick Denning, presenting important news. Stop what you're doing and listen. Nick, what's happening? A few NBA tidbits to get to today. Um, Giannis Antetokounmpo. So y'all, we watched him play a couple weeks ago, or maybe, maybe last week. Um, has been named the starting point guard of the Milwaukee Bucks for the rest of the season and into next season. This is from Jason Kidd. Um, this comes after some mixed results when they initially started this um, and experimented again a little bit later. It turned out to be a lot more productive. Um, a lineup of Giannis, O.J. Mayo, Chris Middleton, Jabari Parker, and Greg Monroe is plus 14.4 per 100 possessions. And Giannis is averaging 19.7.3 rebounds and 7.3 assists in the month of March. That's pretty good. Now, you know, yeah, it's not bad. I mean, and, and you know, he's it, he, it's not a typical point guard. He is 6'11", but we're, we're kind of entering a non-traditional era of the NBA and with a lot of new ideas. So I'm, I'm interested to see where this goes. Um, the New Orleans Pelicans, uh, another news, have been probably the most injury-ridden team in the NBA. Um, two more players have been added to that list of guys who are now done for the season, um, Alonzo G. and Drew Holiday. And they join Anthony Davis, Ryan Anderson, Norris Cole, Tyreek Evans, Eric Gordon, Quincy Pondexter, and Bryce Dejan Jones, I hope I said that name right, on the list of injured Pelicans. Like, guys, I, I mean, you know, we're not going to get into this, but they have to be the most 
like disappointing team in the NBA this year. And I mean, obviously injuries can can do that to anybody, but man, it's that's tough. Um, finally, I, I you guys there was a game last night. I don't know if you saw it, but it was like the Lakers and the Jazz. It's um, way too late. Lost by. <laughs> The Lakers lost by 48 points, 23 to 75. Good job, good effort. Um, our man, yeah, yeah. Our our man Kobe Bryant finished with five points on one, of 11, one of eleven shooting. Farewell, <laughs> of course, to him. of course. Byron Scott, you know, did not blame Kobe Bryant for this. He blamed the young players or himself. Quote here. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he said, he said, quote, "You have to show this organization that you deserve to be here, and you have to understand what wearing that purple and gold is all about." I don't think a lot of guys in that locker room understand that. And he, they added, I don't look at any of those guys as being our next Kobe. That's fair. They can be a piece of it. Yeah, oh yeah, I know, right? They're, none of those guys are going to be the second best shooting guard ever to play in the NBA. Huh. Okay. <laughs> right. Good stuff. Um, they can be a piece or a part of it, but not to get to that level that he has gotten to. And then he finishes off with, it's a damn shame that our oldest player has to take the challenge. It says a lot about him, obviously, and what he's done all of his life. But nobody else wanted to step up and take the challenge. Um, you know, Scott has kind of said these things all season. He's kind of acted this way toward the, toward the young players. Um, you know, obviously the Lakers are not very good this year. You know, losing by 48 points is really bad as well. But, you know, i got to ask you guys, because I've, I've kind of experienced this firsthand when I'm going to deal with a coach who kind of constantly puts blame on players. Um is, is last night's loss? Is that, do we blame the young players for this, or is this Scott who just needs to just he needs to take the majority of the blame for this one? Listen, it does it doesn't take a Byron Scott to know that losing by forty eight points is a stinky thing. Uh, no, I want I want to start this discussion by quoting one of my favorite flicks. We uh, remember the Titans. Mm-hmm. Almost called it. We are the Titans, and it's a quote that says, "Attitude reflect leadership, Captain." That's pretty. That's it. Yeah, I you mean, I, I think, you know, I think the attitude, especially when you're talking about young players, because those are the those are the players that are most easily molded. Those are the players that are 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 looking for leadership that need leadership, and and if those players are uh, and and I I haven't seen D'Angelo Russell be. Uh, have an attitude problem or be a problem player, and that goes for Julius Randle and others. I've just seen them be disillusioned, just be confused. They just want answers. It's got to be a baffling situation for those guys. I mean, you still have Kobe there in the locker room. Look, that in the guy's not. Half I don't think time. that guy is gonna. He. You can't look for leadership from that guy. No, no, I'm not. Kobe but I'm saying is, from their perspective, they're looking for their coach for some clarity, not getting it there. You know, these guys have watched Kobe uh, play and grow up, and I mean, they still idolize the guy. It's got to be just a tough situation for them to a to know when they're playing, what they're doing. You know, um, and just to perform at a level, and then yeah, I mean, Kobe, he's not exactly taking guys under his wing at this point. So to snap their necks, maybe. Yeah, I mean, it's a tough. It's, Listen, I think here's the thing. I think we, and no offense to you, Nick, but I think we kind of buried the lead on this game. Uh, I, I saw a story about this game that uh, Kobe threw his sleeve in into the stands. Yeah, a lady, <sighs> a lady caught it. Nick and took a big whiffoski of the of the sleeve. Are we okay with this? Is that like that's it's like smell o vision. It's like getting that's a that's a new level of appreciating your memorabilia. Just taking a big honk. Well, how many minutes did he play? 
<laughs> I mean, that would affect its odor for sure. I'm okay with it. I, I think you have to. You have to get it. all five senses involved. There's only so many people that know how. I don't know. I'm trying to explain this in a way. <laughs> Nick, Nick, is this okay if if you caught? You know, this is not a jock strap. It's a sleeve. You know, people are into different things. You know, I mean, like <laughs> she's not going to wear it. That's probably way too big for 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 any regular human person. So what are you going to do? You got to look at it, and then once you're looking at it, you got to get bored at looking at it. It's a it's probably what purple or gold sleeve. There's nothing much to look at. You got to you got to get another sense involved. Right. Right. No, yeah, this is, <laughs> no this one's... is a multi-sensory mm-hmm. thing, you know. Um, I, I'm I'm okay with it, you know. I mean, there there are a lot worse things that she could have done. Yeah. Than than just spell it. Yeah. Wait, like what? What would be worse? Eating it? She yeah, could have eaten exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's one. Um. <laughs> All right, Nick. That was a wonderful segment. Thank you so much, sir. And and uh, hopefully we'll talk to you next week. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me back, guys. See you, Nick. Nick Denning at the Hive, writing some great stuff for at the Hive right now. That's uh, what's happening around the NBA. All right, the Hornets have a game tonight against Philadelphia. Tips off in about a little over what twenty minutes? Twenty minutes or so? Twenty-four minutes. And uh, we can do this preview though because they will lock horns. I've said that twice now. Lock horns with the Sixers again on Friday night here in Charlotte. But there's not much. There's really not much to say, David, when it comes to the Philadelphia 76ers. They they could tie. They're still in the running to tie the worst 82 game record if they lose every remaining game, which is certainly not out of any realm of possibility. Could tie themselves, right? They would tie themselves. That would they would in fact tie themselves. Yep. They could take some heat off of the Bobcats' dubious .107 record during the seven and fifty three lockout shortened season. I have a quote here in doing the the search on this segment. This is a quote from Matt Carroll, who does a radio analysis for the team now. During this season, they, they the quest to get one victory was on at the end of the season. Get one victory and avoid that record. And Matt Carroll uh, goes on record here and saying, we are desperate to get a win. No one wants to be known as the worst team in NBA history. I've been talking about this with the guys on the team for the last two weeks, telling them we at least need to get one more win. I think guys at first heard it, but weren't thinking it was going to happen. <laughs> I love how it ends. So, so uh, where is that? So, if they lose another one, they would top the Bobcats. Is that no, right? No, no. If or they was... if they lose every game, the Bobcats still technically have the record P- for worst percentage, but the. Sixers would tie themselves for the worst 82 okay. game. I don't okay. think anyone really looks at that bo- because it was a lockout shortened season. I don't know if anyone's really going to bring that up other than an aside. I think Philadelphia has really staked their claim on the the, the losing. Yeah, or franchise. the next time somebody wants to criticize uh, a Michael Jordan owned team, I guess. Sure. Be, yeah. Uh, well, uh, this Philadelphia team, they do two things better than most in the league that's turn the ball over and foul. That's really the only two things that they do better than most teams. 
Uh, oh my gosh, we are really setting this up to well, be listen, a soul I crushing. I, I'm trying. Upset. I'm trying. No, no, no. Um, Lynn, uh, let's uh, talk about some injuries. Lynn is doubtful for this game with a mm. sore back, so we could see uh, hip hip or hey, finally get some play time. He didn't get any in the the garbage minutes in the Milwaukee game. I think fans are. I think our, our hardcore Hornets fans want to see Jorge Gutierrez get in there, get some point guard minutes. Uh, Noel, Nerlens Noel, and Jeremy Grant both out for oh. the 76ers. I mean, look, you look at this mm. roster, and other than Ish Smith at this point, this is a D League. I mean, maybe you could you could possibly argue with me about Robert Covington, but this is yeah. a D League. This is a D League team. This is an embarrassment. The Hornets need to take your business early. There's, look, David, there's tanking. There's tanking, which is I think you could say that maybe the Pelicans, who Nick discussed in his segment, the Pelicans may be doing a little bit of that in, in essence because the season is lost, shutting some guys down like Drew Holiday. Okay, there's tanking when you've had unfortunate circumstances like the New Orleans Pelicans have. And then there's this. What is this? This I is mean, a D-League team. What do you say to your fans at this point? What do you say to your fans going into this offseason prospect of getting, yeah, another high pick, but which one of these guys is going to draft, they're going to draft, is going to do anything for them next year? Well, here's the real question. With Sam Hinkie on the hot seat, Okafor on the trade block, and Joel Embiid out of summer league before spring arrives, <laughs> is is this, do you think that this is the death of the, the multi, the multi, well, not the process. <laughs> yeah, that's a one question, and then the other question: the multi-year tank strategy. Well, you know how you know it's a. I guess you could say it's a copycat league, but I don't know. I mean, I, how much more can you go through? I think I just, it has I, to be. I just think that this has to be a warning to other teams: don't do this because. You well, just you, you can't depend on the draft. Yeah, look at the other teams that are trying to rebuild. Now, granted, they're coming from uh, places of more success, like the Celtics. I mean, Ainge was trying to do all he could, and, and probably still is to to use those assets. But look what they're doing. They're they're winning. They hired a good coach, um, and they figured out a way to win. I mean, the Lakers are, are kind of a different. I feel like the Lakers are kind of a different story. A, they have Kobe. B, they're the Lakers. So at some point, I feel like they're going to be able to reload with something. But if you're the Philadelphia 76ers and you've been preaching this to your fans for, what is it, going on four years now? And I haven't seen any any steps, like any any progress. They're going backwards. Well, they're going backwards, and a lot of that has to do with, again, when you pin your hopes on the draft, right. which, is a, which starts with a lottery and is essentially – uh, the the first round is is thirty plus gambles. That's like again, that's like pinning your entire fortune on scratch off tickets. Like I got to pay the electric bill. Let me grab some scratch offs and and hope for the best. No, that's never going to work. Mm. Mm. Man, yeah, you can't, it's not going to work. No, it, it will not work. And hopefully, the, again, I think this is. There's nothing wrong with what I don't think. There's anything wrong with what the Pelicans are doing by shutting guys down and you know maybe you lose a couple extra games, improve your draft spot. Or what the Hornets did in the seven and fifty three season, I think there there is. You get in, you get is, out. There's you an get argue, in, you get yeah, out. That's you the try. Thing. You, you you get you, you give it a shot, and then you try to win. Yeah, you have to. I mean, otherwise you end up doing this, and and you certainly uh, don't have to. But well, yeah. Uh, one uh, time for one last thing: uh, assistant coach, assistant head coach for the Charlotte Hornets, Patrick Ewing, was on ESPN. Interviewed by ESPN, asked if he ever considered building a super team in the vein of LeBron, Chris Paul, Carmelo Anthony, and Dwayne Wade. He says 
never considered it because of the rivalries back then. Do you believe Patrick Ewing that he never considered making a super team? Hell yeah. No way those dudes back then wanted to do that. No way. Why do you think? They, they wanted to beat those guys. I mean, that was just how it was back then. They wanted to beat them. There's no way that he would have gone to MJ in the offseason and been like, you know, you play pretty, you, you have some pretty good games I, in MSG. I, can, I think that's that would be one factor, but I think there's a little bit of mythology involved. And they were right that. there. I mean, he was on the Knicks. It's not like he was on, you know, the. Right. He wasn't pining away in yeah. Seattle or something. Yeah. No. <clears throat> Here's what I think. I think uh, my bold statement is that the rivalry was a minor contribution to not making a super team. My two big reasons why why I think that never happened, not only with Patrick Ewing but others, is that no one, including players or um, or people in the front office, really thought about it. Really, well, th- yeah. like it wasn't a thing until you had the. You had the orchestration by Boston to get the big three, and then LeBron took it to another level by being a player with his clout and bringing and moving chess pieces and taking pay cuts and and doing math essentially to make a deal happen. So I I just think that's part of the uh, uh, what's his name? I was listening to, to the Bill Simmons podcast and David Duchovny was on, mm. and he talked about how the psyche works. You know, he's a far out dude. Yeah, and he says you know people there's revolutionaries that think of things before others. And then you go, why didn't they think of that all along? And it's because that's we just don't do that. Well, yeah, and LeBron was from the player side, right? Even the Celtics right, right. was not a player thing. Right, that was orchestrated by the, right. the front office. Right. So, yeah, you're right in that vein, but I mean... And then the, the yeah. second big factor, I'm going to throw this at you too. Back then, they didn't have a hard salary cap. So guys were trying to get paid. I think money is always the biggest contributor to this. So if I'm Ewing, no, I don't want to go play with Jordan and other guys. There's only so much money that these owners had to throw out. Right. So there was no hard cap. You know, LeBron could do the math and make a guy take a pay cut or he could take a pay cut. But back then, everyone was just trying to get as much money as they possibly could wring out of these owners. And so why would you bring superstar A to your team? Because he's just going to take your money. Yeah, I think it was a combination of all those things. It wasn't it wasn't even a thought, right? I mean, it wasn't even a thing that was considered. And plus, they just wanted to beat the hell out of each other. It's LeJean Brames. That's what I said. That's what I said? That's it. All right, thanks uh, Thanks so much for listening, and thanks to our guest, Adi Joseph. Follow him on Twitter, at Adi Joseph. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, at Hive Talk Live for live game updates and more. We will be tweeting this game here in about 15 minutes. Go to atthehive.com for all the latest news and analysis on your Charlotte Hornets as we approach the playoffs for David, Nick, and producer Katie. I'm Doug saying stay bought in, stay believing. We're almost there, folks. All hail the teal and purple. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.